Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. All right, Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse number 33. Here's what the Word says. And they said unto Jesus, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but, but your disciples, they eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. So what we're going to be talking about today is the fact that we are now in that time when the bridegroom was taken away from us, and according to Scripture, the Bible said that one day soon He will be returned to us. So guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. Now, the Bible said that we're supposed to comfort one another with these words. Now, if this makes you nervous, if this subject makes you nervous, I just want to say as a point of clarification that the altars are open during the entire message. So if you start to get nervous, then we're supposed to be comforted by that. We're not supposed to be afraid of that. We're not supposed to be fearful of it. We're supposed to be actually looking forward to it. If my back felt better, I would show you what I do sometimes. I just jump up and down three or four times. And sometimes when the kids were growing up, I'd jump up and they would, they would walk in the kitchen or something or, or the living room and I would just jump straight up in the air and right back down. And they'd say, what you doing? I'd say, rapture drill. <laughs> rapture drill. Jesus is coming. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and just read a few scriptures here, okay? Beginning in verse number 37. Here's what the Bible says. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is talking about what things are going to look like when Jesus comes. The disciples were with Jesus in Luke chapter 5. The Pharisees came to Jesus. They said, the disciples of John are fasting, but yours aren't fasting. How come? Jesus said, because I'm with them, but there's going to come a day when I'm not with them. Okay? And during that time, that's the time that we live, this is what things are going to begin to look like as it nears the return of the Lord. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse number 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And if you study that in context and you go back to the book of Genesis and you study really what this is talking about, they were having parties on the outside of the ark for the purpose of making fun of Noah for making, building the ark. Now at first you say, well, why in the world would they make fun of him for building the ark? Well, let's think about it, okay? Up until that point, it had never rained. Let me make it a little more clear. Water had never fallen out of the sky, ever, ever. The firmament, the Bible talks about the firmament being broken up, that's over. Well, the sky, if you go to the Creation Science Museum and Dr. Carl Ball, if you study some of his works and whatnot, you will find out that the sky used to be more pink than blue. And the reason is because we lived in an oxygen bubble. There was like an oxygen bubble there. 
around the earth. And, and they said a grown man could literally run all day long without getting winded because of the pressure that was inside of that oxygen bubble. That's also the reason that Methuselah lived 900 years and a lot of them lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because if you get in a pressurized, oxygenated environment, then it drives disease out of your body and it rejuvenates youth inside of you. And so they were living in this particular environment. And so here's Noah. Noah's saying it's going to rain for 120 years. Noah is standing up. It's going to rain. Water's going to, the, what's rain? Water, it's going to fall out of the sky. And so they start laughing at him and they start criticizing him. And then it got to the point where they were literally gathering around the outside of the ark, having parties for the purpose of mocking Noah for preaching something and warning people about something that had never, ever happened in the history of humanity. And so this is what was going on here. Of course, you know the flood came and, and eventually they were knocking on the door wanting in, but it was too late. The Bible said, verse 39, And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So here's what's going to be happening. In the days before Jesus comes, people are going to say, look at those Christians. They're talking about the coming of the Lord. That sounds like, and I've heard this over and over as of late, that sounds like Greek mythology to me. And they laugh at you. And they're going to criticize you. And they're going to find fault with you. And they're going to have fodder with you. They're going to have, make fun of you in the last days. And here's the thing. When you start talking to people about the coming of the Lord, and when you start telling them that the return of Jesus is imminent, and when you start telling them that Jesus is getting ready to come because of the signs of the times are saying that He's coming, when you start telling people about that, then eventually people are going to start looking at you like a, like a calf with two heads. They're going to look at you like you're nuts. They're going to think you're crazy because, you know why? Because grandma and grandpa told him Jesus was about to come. Mom and dad told him Jesus was about to come. And especially this generation now, they're like, yeah, I've been hearing that all of my life. I've heard it all of my, I just don't. They're fulfilling Bible prophecy when they say stuff like that and they don't even know it. You know why they don't know it? Because they don't read the Bible anymore. Now, let's go. Let's see Two shall be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Verse 42 says this, it says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Verse 43 says this, But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man will come. I think Jesus is about to come. I do. I mean, the signs of the times are everywhere. Now go to Revelation chapter 1. I have about five passages of Scripture here. Uh, just actually one or two more than that, but I just want to share these with you this morning. 
Revelation chapter 1. I just want you to see, the Bible said, let everything be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. I just want you to see that the coming of the Lord is throughout the Bible. It's not just based on one passage of Scripture. Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse number 4, here's what the Bible says. We'll go through verse 8. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. And Jesus, and He, talking about Jesus, and hath made us kings and priests, Jesus made us kings and priests, unto God and His Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. To Jesus be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse number 7, still talking about Jesus. Behold, He comes with clouds. Go to, keep your, keep your finger there and go to Acts chapter, well, I'll just tell you. Acts chapter 1, the Bible said they, there were two men that stood by and said, Why? Stand ye gazing into heaven because a cloud had come and received Jesus. He was ascending. And a cloud had come and received Jesus out of their sight. And they said, Why stand ye gazing into heaven? For this same Jesus, which is gone away, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go away. So he's going to come back in like manner. He ascended in the clouds. Verse number 7, the Bible says he's coming back with clouds. See there? So he's coming back just like he went. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. That wasn't possible until just a few years ago. Until the advent of the internet. And I know some of you young people, you can't believe there ever was a time when there wasn't an internet. Let me tell you something. There was a time when there wasn't even a television. Now, I wasn't alive then because I'm not that old. But some of you all might be able to remember that. I also remember when we had party lines. How many remember party lines for television? You know, and boy, if you, we had an eight track player that played that Hawaiian music. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And then you talk to people about a record player today, and most of our young people, they're like, well, what? I've never seen a great big vinyl CD. That's not a CD, it's a record. That's what it is, it's a record. Well, it wasn't too long ago. And we didn't have all of that. If you go back a hundred years ago, it would have been impossible for every eye to see Him. But with the advent now of the internet, with the advent of satellite television, with the advent of modern technology, when Jesus comes back, they can capture it. Somebody will capture it and every eye will see that what the scripture has said is really coming to pass. And so we're living in the day when that could actually happen. Every eye could see him. Behold, he comes with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. And then he goes on in verse number 8 and he says this, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was 
and which is, say it with me, to come. Which is to come the Almighty. Now go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just going through some good scriptures here today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we are going to begin in verse number 50. And I, I've, I've really, I, I was studying through this uh, on Friday, this 50th or 15th chapter, and I thought to myself, my goodness, I could just preach through the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians and it would take the entire time. And I thought, but I don't, I, there's other things I want to get to, so I can't do that. But here's, here's my deal with you. If you come back Wednesday night, we're going to be in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to talk some about the first part of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. But starting in verse number 50 to, to, today, this morning, here's what the scripture says. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And just so you know, the verses before that actually explain that passage. It says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. And then he says this, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. How many like mysteries? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So in other words, not all of us are going to die, but we're all going to be changed. And then the Bible says this in verse number 52, In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. And that's the trump of God, by the way. Some, be, some people say, well, you know, waiting for Gabriel to blow the trumpet. No, the Bible said that the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. So that's going to come from God. The trump's going to come from God. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound... And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And we shall be changed. Now, for this corruptible will put on incorruption, this mortal will put on, put on immortality. And then the Bible said, so when this corruptible puts on incorruption, and this mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? And it goes on and explains that. Now I want to show something to you. Some people think that the Bible teaches that when the trumpet of God sounds, that we're out of here in the twinkling of an eye. No. We're changed in the twinkling of an eye. How do you think every eye is going to see Him? I'll tell you why. Because they're going to witness the catching away of the saints. They're going to watch our feet leave the ground. But here's what the Bible says. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This world is going to watch the corruptible put on incorruption and the mortal put on immortality. For the next seven years after that happens in the tribulation, people are going to, the scientists and stuff, are going to be trying to figure out what in the world happened. 
They're going to blame it on all kinds of stuff. Black holes in space and some kind of a chemical composition that happened in people's bodies that made them resist the gravitational pull of the earth. And I'll tell you what's happened. The corruptibles put on incorruption and the mortals put on immortality. That's what's happened. Jesus is changing us and when the corruptible puts on incorruption and the mortal puts on immortality, then death will have no more power over us because Jesus defeated the power of death. <laughs> I'm going to live forever. Song we used to sing. I'm going to die. No, never. No one's ever heard it. Jesus died on a tree for me so I could live forever. Old cathedral song. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse number 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, in other words, in light of this entire chapter, in light of all of this, my beloved brethren, it would be worth it to you if you would be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. At the moment, oh, can't wait. At the moment that the corruptible puts on incorruptible and the mortal puts on immortality, we're going to be able to see over into the supernatural realm and every lost loved one that's ever went before us, we will be united with. Woo! Hallelujah. I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait. We had two, two funerals last week and I was on the phone with someone last night that had Buried their mother, they're watching this morning and they're coming home. They're part of our family, church family here. And I'll tell you, for those of us that have Jesus in our heart, it's not goodbye. It's just see you later. It's just see you later. That's what it is. And I can hardly wait when we get to heaven. I'm going to, listen, there's a few folks I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to ask Adam why Eve ate the apple. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know why he let her talk him into eating that apple. Some people want to blame it on Eve, but Adam had to say, yes, hello. There's a few questions that I have when, when we get to heaven. I don't even know that I'll ask them because they won't matter then. Hallelujah. We'll just be in awe of the Lord. Now, I want you to go with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is getting good. This is getting fun. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Here's what the Bible says. I would not have you to be ignorant. That means unlearned, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who are dead, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. In other words, I want to teach you about people who are dead in the Lord. Because you're full of sorrow and you're acting like you don't have any hope. But let me teach you about something about them. And he goes on, he said, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. Where will God bring, where will He bring them to? The Bible said He's going to bring them with Him. Where, where's He going to bring them to? The catching away, the rapture of the church. Well, the term rapture is not even in the Bible. I'm not going down that road. The catching, come up hither, and I will show you things which will be hereafter. The catching away of the saints. They're going to be with the Lord. 
And then we go on, the Bible says, if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So this is not our words. This is the rain of the God breathed word. It says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We're not going to prevent them from being changed. We're not going to prevent them from seeing the Lord. Verse 16 says, For the Lord Himself, the Lord Himself, this is something that Jesus is going to do personally. Why? Because He's the groom and we're His bride. When I was marrying Donna, I didn't call my best friend and say, Why don't you go marry her for me and bring her to me? That wouldn't have worked. Not at all. Well, Jesus isn't going to do that either. The Bible said the Lord Himself, the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those that were Christians when they passed away shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain here on the earth, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more month and money. Now we're preaching where you live sometimes, huh? Trying to get you out of that. Verse 18 says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I was talking to somebody about that once, and they said, I'm afraid of heights. I looked at them with a straight face and said, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Galatians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27 says this. Husbands, love your wives. Okay, God. Even as Christ also loved the church. Wait a minute, God. What's that mean? Well, and gave himself for it. That's our command. You can read the scripture before it if you would like. If I read it right now, we would get in trouble. But you can read it if you would like. But the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Look at this, verse 26. See, this is really about the coming of the Lord. This is about the relationship between God and his people. It's really more about that. It's instruction for marriage, but it's really more about the relationship between us and God. Okay? That he might sanctify, that means call it apart for a specific holy purpose, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, he's talking about the church, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. What does it mean when the Bible says glorious church? That's talking about a church that lives in the ambience of God, in the presence of God, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You say, that is totally impossible. Not when you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because when God makes you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the spots and the blemishes and the unholy things, they go away because you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So he's coming after a church without spot, without wrinkle. When I was growing up in old time Pentecost, we towed the line. Because, I mean, I had people get up and they said, I don't want to miss heaven because I was doing 56 in a 55. Speed limit. I would hate to miss heaven over one mile per hour. No, 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 no. That's not what that's talking about. I mean, one mile per hour isn't going to put a wrinkle in your garment. That's not what it's talking about. Listen, we've got to be allow God to make us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When He makes us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then our robe changes. Our robe changes. So he's coming after a church without spot, without wrinkle, or any such things. Those that have been made, listen very closely, because of grace, those that have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus are the ones that will put that the corruptible will put on incorruption and the mortal will put on immortality. When we are joined together with Christ, the Bible said we will rise to meet him in the air. When we are joined together with Christ, we will already be changed. We will already be changed. Now listen very closely. Once that change takes place, then all of the spots and all of the wrinkles and all of that ungodliness, there's no way it could attach itself to you. Listen, the blood of Jesus applied to your heart, the blood of Jesus applied to your life, when you take advantage of that blood and you live accordingly to God's Word, that blood repels spots. It repels blemishes. It repels wrinkles. So when we are joined together with Him, with those that rise, when we're joined together with Him in the air, then He presents Himself with a bride that is without spot and without wrinkle, or any such thing that is holy and without blemish to the Lord. One more passage of Scripture today, and then uh, we'll bring this in for a landing. I, I love this subject. I, I don't, I've, for years, I have said I'm not an authority on it. My, my area of expertise, if that's what you want to call it, uh, is more... Uh, life application, taking the Word of God, applying it to our life, and, and uh, teaching people how to live the disciplines of Christian living, discipleship, di- discipleship development. And I've always said that, that prophecy was attractive to me, but if we really needed a really good prophecy conference, we'll just bring in like Perry Stone or somebody. Or we'll all just get together and go to one of his conferences or, or, or something like that. Because I don't see myself as an authority, but I know enough about it to know. And I've, and I've listened to enough. I know enough about it to know. And I know enough about the Word of God to know that the Word of God is true. And whatever God's Word says. And a lot of times, 
a lot of people spend so much time studying all of this stuff and they just need to read these scriptures I'm giving you this morning. They can realize, hey, we're getting out of here. You know, we're not going to be here forever. Revelation chapter 21, I want to share. This is a phenomenal chapter. I want to share it with you. What it's talking about now, just so you know, what this, what this chapter ends up talking about, it's talking about the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is the capital city of heaven. A lot of people, they talk about going to heaven. They talk about, I can't wait to get to heaven where there's walls of jasper and streets of gold and gates of pearl. Listen, the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles tall. Heaven is not that small. I said, heaven is not that small. I mean, stop and think about it. If heaven is God's throne and the earth is God's footstool, and I shared this with you, I think it was last week, but if heaven is God's throne and the earth is God's footstool, and Nahum chapter 1 verse 3 says that the clouds are the dust from God's feet, if that's how big God is, then how in the world would that be big enough for heaven? It's not even big enough for God. So here's what it is. And, and what we... What, we, what the Revelation 21 is describing is the capital city of heaven that Jesus has prepared for His bride. Now, <laughs> listen. There's different levels of relationship with God. There's friends of God. There's sons of God. There's the bride of Christ. The new Jerusalem is created for those who have lived in the dispensation of grace. And, and dispensation is a time frame in history, about 2,000 years, from the cross until the return of the Lord. That's called the dispensation of grace. The new Jerusalem has been created for those that gave their life to Christ, were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and have become the bride of Christ. That's our city. God made that for us. Abraham can come visit, but he's not the bride. David can come visit, but he's not the bride. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? And let me give you, I'm just going to read it to you right here. And here's what the Word says. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first, for, and the first earth, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now listen. And here's the reason that they think that the walls of Jasper and streets of gold is heaven. Because they don't read verse number 2. Here's verse number 2. And I, John, saw the holy city. The holy city. This is the holy city. The capital city of heaven. It's the holy city. It's not just heaven. It's the holy city. And I, John, saw the holy city... New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. You see that? Out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, while the holy city was coming down, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It takes an entire city to house God. And God shall wipe away. Woo! This is a hard chapter for me to get through. I get excited. <laughs> and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The Bible said that there's going to be 30 minutes of silence in heaven. What's going to be happening during that time? <laughs> One facetious man in a marriage conference said the women hadn't showed up yet. I said, I, I rebuke that in the name of, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. No, that 30 minutes of silence in heaven. I think we're just going to be like, oh. Why? Because eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Now look here. He's going to wipe all the tears from their eyes. And there'll be no more death. And there'll be no sorrow. And there'll be no crying. Why? Because there's not going to be any more pain. There's not going to be physical pain. There's not going to be emotional pain. There's not going to be relationship pain. It's all going to be gone. No, no financial pain. Here's what the Bible said. For the former things are passed away. That means that death has passed away. Sorrow has passed away. Crying has passed away. Pain has passed away. That's all former things. It's a new day. It's a new day. We're living in a new time. And then the Bible said, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. Woo. Hallelujah. He said, I'm making all things new. And some of you guys that's got bad backs, you say, oh, hallelujah. Okay. 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 <laughs> and he said unto me, right to John the Revelator. For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. On the cross he said, It is finished. So that part of it was finished. Now he's telling John the Revelator, Write this down. It's done. Elphine. It's done. And he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's how I know it's done. Because I am the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is thirsty of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all those who lie on their taxes, I mean, and all liars, <laughs> shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Uh, we can talk about heaven all day long, but don't you touch hell. Hell's just as real as heaven. I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher, but it's right there in the Word. 
You got a choice, heaven or hell. Well, I don't know if I believe it. Don't matter if you believe it or not, you got a choice, heaven or hell. Somebody looked at me the other day and they said, well, my husband, he's an atheist. I said, all atheists become believers. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he'll be my people. And then the Bible says, and the liars, you know, and all of those, they'll have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Verse 9, There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither. I want to show you the bride. In case you're wondering what that is, it's the Lamb's wife. That's what it says right there. The Lamb's wife. I want to show you the bride. The Lamb's wife. And He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And the city had the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And this city had a, a wall that was great and high, and it had twelve gates. And at the gates there were twelve angels, and names were written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Woo! The foundations of our faith are built into the city that God has prepared for the Lamb's wife, for us. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lies four square and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length of, and, the, and the breadth and the height of it are equal. That's like from New York to Jacksonville to Houston all the way back up however far, maybe Chicago and back to New York. That's like the foundation of the city. It's like 1,500 miles. And here's what the Word says. And he measured the wall there of 140 and four cubits, about to the measure of a man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper. The walls were jasper. The city was pure gold like glass, clear glass. The Bible said like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, a chal chal chalcedon. Some of you guys can pronounce that. I don't even know. The fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh Chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth the topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasas, prusas, prusus, prusos, whatever. Speaking in tongues here. The eleventh, I mean, it's, it's so wealthy I can't even speak it, okay? And jacinth, the eleventh, the, the a jacinth, and the twelfth, an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. 
Every several gate was of one pearl. Huge elephant. <laughs> one pearl. One pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. Ooh. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dig myself a hole and then I'm going to dig out of it. You ready? Here we go. There are people today that are penny costals. <laughs> Not penty costals, penny copper. Penny costals. Well, I just don't. I have a problem, you know, if somebody gets wealthy and, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's nothing wrong with having money. Money just can't have you. If it's wrong to be wealthy, how come God created a city like that for us to live in? I could never understand why they would preach against women wearing jewelry. And you notice they don't ever preach against men wearing jewelry. But I could never understand why they would preach against that when the Bible says right there that the new Jerusalem is the city coming down from God out of heaven adorned as a bride for her husband and they've got stones on there that I can't even pronounce. <coughs> Gold and pearl and all of that. Listen to me very closely. It's not wrong to be rich. Amen. Well, that just seems to be the message that's going across. That's really not the gospel. It's part of the gospel. It's part of the gospel. He became poor so that we might become rich. And then he died on Calvary so that we could be saved. He washed our sins away so that one day we could inhabit this beautiful city that's made of transparent gold and gold is clear as crystal and gates of one pearl and foundation stones of ja walls of jasper and foundation stones of all these kinds. My goodness, it's, the Bible said that it's just studded with all of this kind of stuff. And that's exciting, isn't it? I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, it's like, woo, you know, and that's why it we're going to be like, ah, you know, 30 minutes. Woo, oh, yeah. Woo, Jesus, huh? Whoa. And then verse number 22. Here's the thing that really excites me. And I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. That's when the head of the church and the body of the church are going to be joined together. That's why God calls us the temple of God right now. That's why. And then the Bible said there won't be any temple there because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city has no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God lightens it and the Lamb is the light of that city. From the brightness before him were coals of fire kindled. 
Wow. So you're looking around and there's just, just think about this. If, if you've got the sun over top of the city, shining down on the city, then, then you've got like uh, all these rays and stuff coming into the city. But when the Lamb and Almighty God are in the, when the sun is inside of the city instead of outside of the city, then all of a sudden, instead of everything shining in, it shines out. Fox News, ABC, CNN, CBS. Report on that. <laughs> Explain that. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Oh, <laughs> verse 24. And the nations. Ooh, <laughs> And the nations of them which are saved are going to walk in the light of that city for eternity. Angel, we're walking around in glory. We're just walking in the glory. We can do that here. Did you know that? We can do that here. <laughs> okay. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth Wait a minute. The earth is still going to be here? Well, yeah. Of course. The Lord caught us away. He took us up there with Him. There's this tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, I don't care if you believe pre, mid, post, or anti, there's going to be a tribulation. Just be ready. Okay? Then when He comes back, with that new Jerusalem, and the Bible said it comes down out of heaven. If you study it in biblical, uh, in biblical prophecy, it's going to hover over old Jerusalem and the kings of the earth are going to come into that city. And the Bible said, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. During that time, after the tribulation period, the Word of God tells us that there's going to be a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. That means a thousand years. There's going to be a thousand years where we are going to rule and reign with Christ and our headquarters is going to be that city. People want to come to your office, they have to come to the New Jerusalem. People want to talk to you, they have to come to the New Jerusalem. Think about it. Think about it. This is... Look at your neighbor and go... <laughs> you don't even have to worry about what the carpet cost. Just... All right. And the gates of that city will not be shut at all by day, for there'll be no night in that city. And they'll bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. The glory and the honor of the nations into it. 
and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> Take me home, Lord. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not suicidal. I just, I'm just anxious to see. I'm homesick. I'm homesick. Sometimes I do these funerals. I'm like, you rascal, you beat me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not afraid to die. I don't have any reason to be afraid to die. What if Jesus came right now? I'm ready. Let's get to Come on. I think your lips are warmed up enough. Blow that trumpet, God. Let's get after this thing. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you, we have a hope. We have a hope. This is our hope. We can rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Death is going to be gone. Sorrow is going to be gone. Tears are going to be gone. Pain's going to be gone. All of that's going to be gone. And then th this earth is just dress rehearsal. This life is just dress rehearsal. It's kind of like boot camp for eternity. I hope you graduate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.